morning, everyone. I have some special guests here today. I'd like to uh, recognize uh, my sister Joan and her husband Lonnie are back with us today. It's okay for them to raise their hand, okay? And I've got two couples here on the front that I've known for about 40 years, I think. And uh, they're very, very special friends. And then I've got a real special friend on the end down there. But here's the deal. She made me promise I would not make her stand. And if I break that promise, I will pay dearly. So she's over there. I hope you can see her. <laughs> because she is not going to stand up. I'll just tell you right now. You know, we haven't done our faith affirmations in a while. A faith affirmation is simply uh, what we believe. We just confess it. I start my day every morning with my faith affirmations. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and Satan cannot stand up against the Word of God. He can't do it. So let's stand together again, if you won't mind. And uh, listen, I'm not going to do this if you won't, unless you do it with authority. I don't want to just say, eh, okay, let's, let's, let's tell the devil we, we mean it, okay? So just repeat after me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from which cometh my strength. Uh-uh-uh, for my strength comes from the Lord, for in Him I live and move, have my very being. Uh, you're doing it again, okay? I can do all things through Him who gives me strength, for He meets my every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is thy name. For I sought you, Lord, and you heard me, and you delivered me from all my fear. Therefore, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I will bless the Lord from this day forth and forevermore from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. The name of the Lord, the of the Lord is, to is to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Thank you. You know, it's hard to believe, but I think this is my 13th week to be with you. And I think that's four months. Is that four months? And uh, if I were to rate, you know, like this is the most important sermon I've preached, and this is that, if I rated the sermons, I would rate today's as number one, the most important thing I've talked about since I've been here in these 13 Sundays. And that's not to say the others aren't. Obviously, the manifestations of the Spirit are very important. Paul said, I would not have you to be unaware of those. That's why I took the time to make you aware of those. Uh, but today, I want to talk about a subject that uh, we don't hear, again, we don't hear a whole lot about this, but it's, it's something that we need to hear more about. It's called spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. This is a little booklet I put together um, a long time ago on spiritual warfare. I didn't really write it as much as I edit it with permission from the person that uh, I got a lot of this information uh, from. But there, uh, 
this can be reproduced if a church wants to do it. I mean, you don't need my permission or anybody's, but uh, Vicki, where are you? I'm going to give this to you. Come get this. Will you come get this? Pass that back to Vicki. She's back there somewhere. All right. Uh, I, I just kind of think you, you want that book. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Spiritual warfare. What is it? I want you to open your Bible to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And as we read this verse, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. I want you to listen very, very carefully to the wording that he uses, okay? Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, that is the human body, okay, though, we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. We do not war according to that human body, that flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons, okay, he's already used the word war, now he's using the word weapons. For, for the weapons of that warfare that we're in are, are not of the human body. They're not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a battle today. We're in a war today. Not like the war that we read about or see on television with, with Ukraine not a battle over territory. That's what Russia's all about. They're, this dictator wants the, the Soviet Union back. He wants all that territory that they once had. And so that's why he's declared war upon the Ukraine. But this is not that kind of a war. This is a war. Now listen carefully. This is a war to see who controls your thinking. This is a war to see who controls your thinking. Um, Let's look at some more scriptures. Uh, listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. Uh, Paul tells us to endure hardship as a good soldier. Endure hardship as a good soldier. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why do you put on armor? You put on armor because you're in a battle. When Paul came to the end of his life, what did he say? He said, I have fought what? I have fought the good fight. I finished the course. Just a casual, casual reading of the New Testament. I'm talking about those people that get up in the morning and read a five-minute devotion, and that's about it. Just a casual reading of the New Testament will tell you that we're in a spiritual warfare. And the Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion stalking the earth, Seeking whom he can clobber. I've had people say to me, well, listen, I, I, didn't, I haven't picked a fight with the devil. No, but he's picked one with you. If you're a believer, he's, he's picked a fight with you. And let me tell you something about him. He's very, very persistent. He's cunning. He, he looks for the weak places in our life where he can attack. Well, listen to this scripture right here. This is very profound. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 23 and verse 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. Let me tell you what that means in, in the Hebrew. It means whatever you think about is what you're going to become. Okay? I have two grandsons, one's 13, one's 20, and I have three granddaughters. 
The two grandsons live in this area. They live in Lorena. Many, many times I'll go over to see them, and they won't even come out of their room. They're in their room playing video games. And oftentimes my daughter will have to say to them, uh, your, your granddad is getting ready to leave. You want to come outside and tell him goodbye? I mean, they never told me hello, hello. <laughs> but sometimes I'll go in there, and I'll look at see what those video games are all about. And you know what they're about? Most of them, they're about death and destruction. They're about people killing people with high-powered weapons. You know, the man that went into that uh, school a few weeks ago and killed all those kids, I don't think he came up with that idea overnight. In fact, the news media tells us that he tried to get his sister to buy him that uh, rifle before uh, he's even turned 18 and could buy it legally. So the fight we're in today is a fight to see who controls our minds. Satan desires to control our minds. And he's constantly shooting things. We'll see that in just a moment into our minds in order to control our minds. Now the question is, where do all these thoughts come from? These thoughts that we're being bombarded with constantly, it seems like. Well, listen to this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For out of the heart... Okay, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication. Now, where does he say those thoughts are coming out of? He said they're coming out of our hearts. Now, the question is, how did they get in our hearts to start with? Uh, this week, I just took, just randomly... I looked at the TV guide, and I just wrote down the, the, the kind of programs that are being flushed, I'm sorry, shown into our living room. No, let me say flushed into our living room every night. All right, this is CBS. This is last Tuesday night. 7 o'clock, FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. What do you think that show's all about? Well, it tells us after a young woman is killed on her way to a lavish yacht party, Oh, that's wholesome, isn't it? All right, but let's see what 8 o'clock show is. FBI Most Wanted. Wow. A local FBI case involves two murdered women and a sea of powerful men turned into a, a manhunt for dangerous leaders of a far-reaching criminal enterprise. Well, guess what comes on at 9 o'clock? FBI again. But this time it's FBI International. Let's take this thing international. And guess what the age is that they suggest you watching these shows? 14. Let's move over to Thursday night. CBS, 7 o'clock prime time. Law and order. It ought to be called lawlessness and no order. What comes on at 8 o'clock? Law and order special victims unit. Man, we're getting more wholesome all the time here, aren't we? All right, now let's go to 9 o'clock on Thursday night. Law and order, organized crime. By all means, let's don't leave out criminal minds. Then at 10 o'clock, we get to turn the news on and see how many mass murders there were that day. Where are these thoughts coming from? They're coming from the media. And I believe with all my heart today, Satan controls the media. I believe he does. 
And you say, well, yeah, but, but Barry, this is, you know, those are just actors acting out stuff. Your mind doesn't know that. How many of you people older than, uh, up my, around my age, remember the movie Psycho? See your hands. Remember Psycho? All right, put your hands down. Ladies, how many of you, how many of you made your mother sit with you in the bathroom while you showered after you watched that movie? I know one that did. I know one that did. I, I mean, after I watched that movie, I was showered one eye toward the curtain. Don't tell me that your mind just blows that off as being a bunch of actors. Your mind perceives that as being real. Again, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, he says that we're to take up the whole armor of God that we might, what? Deal with the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, that sounds strange to us. What is a fiery dart? I mean, is Satan over there shooting barks at us? No, listen to me. He's shooting thoughts at us. He's shooting thoughts at us. And some of these thoughts are coming right through the television screen at us. And again, uh, listen to what Paul says about this battle. In chapter 4, in verse 18, he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, what you see is not the real world. It's what you don't see. It's that spiritual battle that's taking place in the spiritual world, and it's those flaming darts that he's shooting at us. And let me tell you, young people, I really do appreciate the fact that you're in church. Bless your hearts. But let me tell you something about thoughts. It's much easier to get them in your mind than it is to get them out of your mind. Okay? Once that thought comes into your mind, it's, it's like it takes a snapshot. And it just processes that, and it's there. And, and I can look back in my life, and I can think about things that, uh, I, I mean, way back. I can remember things that happened when, when I was a child. So we, we need to be very, very careful about that. Now, there should be a difference in the thinking between a Christian and a non-Christian. I think Isaiah addressed that years ago when he wrote these verses. He said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while, he, while he's near. Let the wicked man forsake his way. I think there he's referring to the lost person, a wicked person. But listen to the next verse. And let the unrighteous man, his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. Now, again, the unsaved is not going to return to the Lord. Here he's talking about, uh, he's talking about a, a person that's gotten away from the Lord, started living kind of an unrighteous life. He's asking him to come back. Now, before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, I believe they thought like God. And... Uh, but something happened to them. The Bible says the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And Satan said, You shall not surely die, for God doesn't know that in the day that thou eatest thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, plural, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, is pleasant to the eye, free to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he ate. 
when they ate, something drastically changed in their thinking. They no longer had that personal relationship with God that they enjoyed before. In fact, they were frightened by God. When God came and said, Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I command you, saying, you should not eat? And what did he do? He played the blame game. He said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she did give me a tree, and I did eat. And all at once, their thinking started changing, started evolving in the wrong direction. And guess what? Their children inherited that way of thinking. And we see one of them rising up in a, in a moment of jealousy and what? Killing his own brother. And guess what? We inherited that Adamic nature from Satan. But when we're born again, John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. When we're born again, God doesn't come in and overhaul our old spirit. He comes in and gives us a brand new spirit. Ezekiel spoke of that years ago when he said, when he's quoting God, he said, I will put a new spirit within you. I'll put a new heart within you. I'll put a new spirit within you. Paul amplified on what that means in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17 when he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is the new creation. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Now, when we're born again, when God's Spirit comes into us, all at once that new spirit begins to fight against that old spirit. And we reject those things. We don't want those things. I, I remember uh, after I got saved, again, I was, 20, I was 20 years old when I got saved. But I remember after I got converted and saved, all at once those old thoughts would come back. Things I did before I was saved and things I was ashamed of and things I didn't want to think about. But they, they kept coming back. And I, kept, uh, I felt bad about it. I felt guilty over it. I said, you know, I'm a Christian now. I shouldn't be thinking thoughts like this. And where are these thoughts coming from? Fiery darts, fiery darts, fiery darts. And one of the things that finally helped me was when I realized that the thoughts themselves are not sin. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted on all points, yet without sin. The thoughts that come to us and are fired at us from every direction are not sin. It's what we do with those thoughts that make them sin. Now, I want you to think of your mind for a moment as being an international airport. I've actually got an app on my phone. Some of you may have the same app. I used to, it was fun. I'd sit out in the yard and I'd watch these planes fly over. And I'd go to that app. That app would tell me what that plane was, whether it was United or American. It would tell me how high it's flying. It would tell me where it left, like Dallas. And it'll, it, it's, it'll tell me its final destination, like, like Houston. You can get apps for that kind of stuff now. But, but I'll go back to my original point. Okay, think of your mind as being an airport. And all these planes are coming around, and they're, and they're wanting to land. And the pilot says to the, to the uh, person, he says, uh, permission to land. 
and the air traffic controller says, permission granted, land on runway so-and-so. Or he may say, permission denied. Keep circling, we got a problem, and when the problem is solved, then you can land. Okay, your mind is like that. Your mind is like that airport. And these thoughts are hovering around. And they're saying, permission to land. Permission to land. Here's a man, he sees a beautiful woman. And the first thing he, he, he thought, he says, oh, wow, that's a very attractive woman. And, and, and the thoughts are just beginning to whirl. Pretty soon, that's no longer a woman. That's somebody that you find yourself lusting after. And you say, permission to land, denied. I'm not going there. I'm cutting that thought off right there. And we can do that. I'm going to show you how in just a moment. So the reason those thoughts are there for a Christian is because we don't renew our mind in the Word every day like we should. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual form of worship, and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Again, let me go back to what I said a moment ago. When we get saved, our old thoughts and mind patterns, they don't, just get, they don't get wiped away. They're still there. And Satan knows those things, and so he'll try to bring those things up to us. And when he starts to bring those things up to us, we can just simply say, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, Satan, I refuse to think about that. And some of those thoughts are well-grounded. In fact, the Bible calls them strongholds. They're just strongholds. But you see, when we become a Christian, God doesn't wipe out everything in our minds. that's still there. Things that we did, and Satan knows those things. He can bring those things back. He, he knows it because he saw us do them. Like, probably tempted us to get them to them. So... David said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. Folks, listen to me. If you're not getting in the word daily, you are a sitting duck. You're there for the picking. People have asked me many times, Barry, how did you memorize all the scripture you know? One verse at a time. One verse at a time. David said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. So we have got to get into the Word as Christians. We've got to. Because we're in a world that, again, we're being bombarded in that world. We're, see, this is what's kind of strange. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. The Bible says we are God's ambassadors. Why do we send ambassadors to other nations? To represent us, to represent our culture. But what happens sometimes is we'll send an ambassador somewhere. He'll get in that land and get so infested by that culture that he'll embrace that culture rather than represent the culture that we sent him to embrace. And that's what happens to a Christian. Uh, and again, we're, we're constantly being bombarded. I mean, TV, the internet, newspaper, billboards, we're constantly being bombarded, uh, bombarded by the enemy. And uh, I'll give you one example of that. Uh, I like to Google people. Just, you know, just like, um, I'll be watching a Hallmark movie. Honestly, I 
I get teased by that. Well, Hallmark movies, five minutes in that Hallmark movie, you know where it's, how it's going to end. Yeah, but they're not going to cuss, and they're not going to do a lot of other stuff that I don't really want to watch. So yeah, just call me a Hallmark junkie. But one time, uh, my favorite actress for, for a long, long time was Natalie Wood. I actually think she looks a little bit like Natalie Wood. I told her that. She said, well, you need to clean your glasses. But still think, still think she did. So one time I just thought, well, I'll just I'll Google Natalie Wood, find out all about her, you know. Well, boy, I was just reading along there. You know, she married who? Robert uh, what, Wagner or somebody. Who was it? Wagner? Was it, was it Robert Wagner? Okay, she married him a couple of times, I think. And I just, and by the way, I named my daughter after Natalie Wood, or Natalie. And all at once, listen to me, all at once, some of the most vile pornography popped up on that page. It was Natalie Wood's face, but I don't think it was Natalie Wood's body. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I wish I had turned it off before I saw it. That's how the enemy attacks. You can go on and just look up something very, very harmless. And all at once, something in there is going to just jump out at you. And again, let me say what I said a moment ago. When that happens, once you see that image, it's hard to get that image out of your mind. It really is. Um, I remember the first uh, picture show I ever went to that had school violence, like we're seeing today, unfortunately. And some of you may remember this show. It was called Blackboard Jungle with, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, yes. Remember, anybody remember Blackboard Jungle? Now, y'all are young. You don't remember that show. But it was a show about school violence, and it happened back when the movies were still in black and white. Okay, question. How do you control your thought life? Say, preacher, I, I, I'm on board with everything you've said so far, but now tell me, how in the world do I control my thought life? Okay, listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder even the soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow. Now listen to this. It is the discerner. The Holy Spirit is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why did we spend time looking at spiritual gifts? Because one of those manifestations, and, the, and we can call upon it, and the Holy Spirit's anxious to give us that, is discerning of spirits. Now, you say, well, how do you do that? You allow the Holy Spirit to filter what you see. For example, you might be watching a show, and it, it's a good show. And you think it's a good show, and all at, one, I'm, all at once, God, somebody just takes God's name in vain. What's the Holy Spirit going to say to you? Turn that off. Turn that off. And now you have a choice. You can just go, keep watching it, or you can turn it off. But if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is going to say, no more. Turn it off. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit will guide our thinking. Listen to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse uh, 8, I think, yeah. Finally, brother, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, 
uh, if there be any excellence in there, if there be anything worthy of praise, dwell on those things. There is, he's going to give us a, a guideline there. And what, what's he saying in that guideline? He said, if you're watching something that fails that test, don't watch it. I mean, young people, when I was young, I couldn't flip it off. I had to get up and walk over there and change the channel. I used to call my wife, uh, what was the term I called her? Uh, anyway, this is what I'd say. Uh, why, why are you? Are you why use up? Go ahead and change the channel for me. No, you can change it yourself. But now you don't have to even get up. Just aim that thing right at that TV and say, wow, I am not going to accept that thought. I'm not going to let that chain of thoughts come into my mind. So, we, we, listen, if we don't, and I'll say this before I'll say it again. If we do not learn how to control our thought life, Satan will come in like a thief. And he'll bombard it. The second thing we do is we learn to refuse the thought by quoting a scripture. Now, okay, but you've got to know the scripture to quote them, don't you? Again, I'm sorry to say it, but a lot of Baptists are just biblically illiterate. They don't know the word. You know, when Satan tempts you, you don't have time to reach him for a Bible. So let me, take, let me look for that verse. I think there's a verse somewhere that says something about that's not, being, not good. You have to put it in your heart. Okay, when Satan, Matthew chapter 4, when Satan tempted Jesus, each time he tempted Jesus, what did Jesus do? quoted scripture didn't he Satan said well you'll go up here and if you'll dive off God will send his angels and he'll sweep you up and, and Jesus will look at him and say thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God again Satan would tempt him another way and he'd turn right around and quote another scripture at him and then the third time he tempted him the third time and Jesus did what he quoted yet another scripture to him so we, we use the scripture Again, uh, okay, let's, see, let's look at a biblical example of that. Let's, somebody, let's say that Satan fires this fiery dart into your mind to be hateful or unforgiving towards somebody. What would you say? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Okay, what have you done? You've countered that thought with a biblical thought. What if somebody comes in and uh, says, you know, you just ought to, Curse that person, and I, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I've had many, many trouble. I mean, I've had many, many people come to me and, and honestly say this to me, Barry, I'm having a, a real hard time forgiving this person for what they did to me. And here's my answer to that. It's because you've made forgiveness an emotion. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of your will. And the Bible says that God works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. The drunk driver that killed my daughter when she was six years old. I not only forgave him, but I led him to the Lord. We got down on our hands and knees in that waiting room at that hospital, and I led him through the sinner's prayer. See, Barry, how did you do that? Because it's Christ that works in me, both the will and to do his good pleasure. 
if we want to, he'll help us, but he won't overpower your want to. So when you have a problem with forgiveness, here's what you do. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to do your will. And your word says that uh, you work in me both to will and to do your good will. So, Lord, I turn this over to you. I turn this anger over to you. I turn this unforgiveness over to you. And, Lord, work in me and release that. You know, here's the deal. When holding forgiveness back from somebody is like burning your house down to kill a rat. Not worth it. That person's out there having a great time, not even thinking about what they did to you and what you do. You're over there worrying and fretting because of what they did. You can't change that. So you release them. You forgive them. It takes grace to do that, but the Bible says that we are to live by grace. So let me wind down by saying this. The first thing I'd, I, I just say, I, I refuse, I, I, re, I rebuke that thought. It's not, I'm not going to receive it, I'm not going to accept it. And uh, men, we have a tendency to be oper- operate more out of sight. Women have a tendency to operate more out of their, what they hear. And so a, a man can see a beautiful woman. And, and you can say, you know, you can just look at her. And thought, well, that's, a, that's an attractive woman. But you don't have to lust. You can just stop it right there. And that's an attractive woman. Let it go. Okay. Satan will say, no, don't let it go. Pursue it a little bit. Here's, what a strong, here's how a stronghold works. Satan will put a chain around your ankles down there. And you'll realize, you know what? I can get out of this chain anytime I want to. Look at that. I can, just, I can step right out of it, okay? But then you go ahead and you pursue that thought life. And you go ahead and embrace those thoughts. And pretty soon that chain is up around your knees right here. Then you think, well, you know, I I can still get out. I I can still get free. But you continue that thinking, that process of thinking, and those wrong thoughts. And pretty soon the chain is up to here. And now you say, "Mm, wow, boy, I can, I think I can get out of this, but boy, it's going to take almost all I have. And you continue in that line of thought. And pretty soon the chain is up around here. Guess what? You're in a stronghold. You need deliverance. But don't let it get that far. Daily renew your mind in the Word. Daily. And as you do that, what are you doing? You're receiving God's thoughts. That's what we did a while ago when we quoted that scripture. And then there's something that we don't hear much about anymore. It's called meditating. Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the city of the scornful, and so forth. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate day and night. Uh, some of y'all are farmers and live out in the country. Uh, let me ask these guys, you know what chewing the cud means for a cow? Any of you guys know what that means? I know it sounds gross. Chewing the cud, y'all know what that means? Okay, they're second, even the girls know what that means. Here's what a cow does. A cow will eat food, put it down in a certain part of her stomach. Then in a little bit, she'll regurgitate it and chew it some more. Then she might swallow it again. And a little bit later, she'll regurgitate it and she'll chew it some more until she's chewed every single bit of the nourishment out of that. And then permanently swallow it. 
that's a gross way, I know, but that's what meditation is all about. You, you meditate upon God's Word. You think about God's Word. You let God's Word control, control your thinking, okay? And uh, we, can, we can do that when we're, when we're driving the car. Da- David prayed this, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. I close by saying this, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. The Christian life is not a cruise liner, it's a battleship. And it's an unseen battle. Paul said the things you don't see, those are the things that are really real. And if we don't learn to control our thinking, Satan will take control. And once he takes control, the chain starts. The chain starts. So one day he's got you in a place where you can't get free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you guide us in your word and you lead us in your word and you teach us your word. Father, thank you for warning us that we have an enemy, an enemy that stalks this earth like a roaring lion, seeking anybody he can that he can clobber. Your word says that he comes to do three things. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Father, your word also says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the word. So today, Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for our sins. He went to the grave. He rose for our power, our justification. And he sends the Holy Spirit to live in us, to war for us, and to help us to win the war that we're in today. So we thank you that greater is he that's in us. We thank you that the victory is ours, but we still have to suit up and show up for the battle each day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for equipping us with your word and with your power. I pray today that you would empower every person within the sound of my voice. Help them to realize that you love them enough to send your son to die for them, and you want to live in them, and you want to give them a happy life and a joyous life. Father, we receive today afresh and anew the infilling of your Holy Spirit. Empower us, Lord, today to do your will. We love you. We thank you. Let's stand together.